of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Maugham, Chapter 115. Philip spent the few weeks that remained before the beginning of the winter session in the outpatient's department, and in October settled down to regular work. He had been away from the hospital for so long that he found himself very largely among new people. The men of different years had little to do with one another, and his contemporaries were now mostly qualified. Some had left to take up assistantships or posts in country hospitals and infirmaries, and some held appointments at St. Luke's. The two years during which his mind had lain fallow had refreshed him, he fancied, and he was able now to work with energy. The Athelnys were delighted with the change of fortune. He had kept aside a few things from the sale of his uncle's effects, and gave them all presents. He gave Sally a gold chain that had belonged to his aunt. She was now grown up. She was apprenticed to a dressmaker, and set out every morning at eight to work all day in a shop in Regent Street. Sally had frank blue eyes, a broad brow, and plentiful shining hair. She was buxom, with broad hips and full breasts, and her father, who was fond of discussing her appearance, warned her constantly that she must not grow fat. She attracted because she was healthy, animal, and feminine. She had many admirers, but they loved her unmoved. She gave one the impression that she looked upon love-making as nonsense, and it was easy to imagine that young men found her unapproachable. Sally was old for her years. She had been used to the help her mother in the household work and in the care of the children, so that she had acquired a managing air, which made her mother say that Sally was a bit too fond of having things her own way. She did not speak very much, but as she grew older she seemed to be acquiring a quiet sense of humor, and sometimes uttered a remark which suggested that beneath her impassive exterior she was quietly bubbling with amusement at her fellow creatures. Philip found with her that he never got on the terms of affectionate intimacy upon which he was with the rest of Athelny's huge family. Now and then her indifference slightly irritated him. There was something enigmatic in her. When Philip gave her the necklace, Athelny in his boisterous way insisted that she must kiss him. But Sally reddened and drew back. No, I'm not going to, she said. Ungrateful hussy, cried Athelny. Why not? I don't like being kissed by men, she said. Philip saw her embarrassment, and, amused, turned Athelny's attention to something else. That was never a very difficult thing to do, but evidently her mother spoke of the matter later, for next time Philip came, she took the opportunity when they were alone for a couple of minutes to refer to it. You didn't think it disagreeable of me last week when I wouldn't kiss you? Not a bit, he laughed. It's not because I wasn't grateful, she blushed a little as she uttered the formal phrase which she had prepared. I shall always value the necklace, and it was very kind of you to give it to me. Philip found it always a little difficult to talk to her. She did all that she had to do very competently, but seemed to feel no need of conversation, yet there was nothing unsociable in her. One Sunday afternoon, when Athelny and his wife had gone out together, and Philip, treated as one of the family, sat reading in the parlor, Sally came in and sat by the window to sew. The girl's clothes were made at home, and Sally could not afford to spend Sundays in idleness. Philip thought she wished to talk, and put down his book. "'Go on reading,' she said. "'I only thought as you were alone I'd come in and sit with you. "'You're the most silent person I've ever struck,' said Philip. "'We don't want... "'We don't want another one who's talkative in this house,' she said. 
There was no irony in her tone. She was merely stating a fact, but it suggested to Philip that she measured her father, alas, no longer the hero he was to her childhood, and in her mind joined together his entertaining conversation and the thriftlessness which often brought difficulties into their life. She compared his rhetoric with her mother's practical common sense, and though the liveliness of her father amused her, she was, perhaps, sometimes a little impatient with it. Philip looked at her as she bent over her work. She was healthy, strong, and normal. It must be odd to see her among other girls in the shop with their flat chests and anemic faces. Mildred suffered from anemia. After a time, it appeared that Sally had a suitor. She went out occasionally with friends she had made in the workroom, and had met a young man, an electrical engineer in a very good way of business, who was a most eligible person. One day, she told her mother that he had asked her to marry him. "'What did you say?' said her mother. "'Oh, I told him I wasn't over-anxious to marry anyone just yet a while.' She paused a little, as was her habit, between observations. "'He took on so that I said he might come to tea on Sunday. "'It was an occasion that thoroughly appealed to Athelney. "'He rehearsed all the afternoon how he would play the heavy father for the young man's edification "'till he reduced his children to helpless giggling. "'Just before he was due, Athelney routed out an Egyptian tarbosh and insisted on putting it on. "'Go on with you, Adelny,' said his wife, who was in her best, which was of black velvet, and, since she was growing stouter every year, very tight for her. "'You'll spoil the girl's chances.' She tried to pull it off, but the little man skipped nimbly out of her way. "'Unhand me, woman. Nothing will induce me to take it off.' This young man must be shown at once that it is no ordinary ordinary family he is preparing to enter. Let him keep it on, mother, said Sally, in her even indifferent fashion. If Mr. Donaldson doesn't take it the way it's meant, he can take himself off and good riddance. Philip thought it was a, Philip thought it was a severe ordeal that the young man was being expected to, since Athelney in his brown velvet jacket, flowing back flowing black tie and red tarbosh, was a startling spectacle for an innocent electrical engineer. When he came, he was greeted by his host with the proud courtesy of a Spanish grandee and by Mrs. Athelney in an altogether homely and natural fashion. They sat down at the old ironing table in the high-backed monkish chairs, and Mrs. Athelney poured tea out of a luster teapot which gave a note of England and the countryside to the festivity. She had made little cakes with her own hand, and on the table was homemade jam. It was a farmhouse tea, and to Philip very quaint and charming in the Jacobian house. Athelney had, for some fantastic reason, took it into his head to discourse upon Byzantine history. He had been reading the later volumes of The Decline and Fall, and his forefinger dramatically extended, he poured into the astonished ears of the suitor scandalous stories about Theodora and Irene. He addressed himself directly to his guest with a torrent of rhodomontade, and the young man, reduced to helpless silence and shy, nodded his head at intervals to show that he took an intelligent interest. Mrs. Athelney paid no attention to Thorpe's conversation, but interrupted now and then to offer the young man more tea, or to press upon him cake and jam. Philip watched Sally. She sat with downcast eyes, a pretty shadow on her cheek. You could not tell whether she was amused at the scene, or if she cared for the young man. She was inscrutable. 
but one thing was certain. The electrical engineer was good-looking, fair, and clean-shaven, with pleasant, regular features and an honest face. He was tall and well-made. Philip could not help thinking he would make an excellent mate for her, and he felt a pang of envy for the happiness which he fancied was in store for them. Presently the suitor said he thought it was about time he was getting along. Sally rose to her feet without a word and accompanied him to the door. When she came back, her father burst out. "'Well, Sally, we think your young man very nice. "'We are prepared to welcome into our family. "'Let the bands be called, and I will compose a nuptial song.' "'Sally set about clearing away the tea things. "'She did not answer. "'Suddenly she shot a swift glance at Philip. "'What did you think of him, Mr. Philip?' "'She had always refused to call him Uncle Philip, "'as the other children did, and would not call him Philip. "'I think you'd make an awfully handsome pair.' "'She looked at him quickly once more, and then with a slight blush went on with her business. I thought him very nice. I thought him a very nice, civil-spoken young fellow, said Mrs. Athelny, and I think he's just the sort to make any girl happy. Sally did not reply for a minute or two, and Philip looked at her curiously. It might be thought that she was meditating upon what her mother had said, and on the other hand she might be thinking of the man in the moon. Why didn't you answer when you're spoken to, Sally? remarked her mother a little irritably. I thought he was a silly. Aren't you going to have him then? No, I'm not. I don't know how much more you want, said Mrs. Athelny, and it was quite clear now that she was put out. He's a very decent young fellow, and he can afford to give you a thorough good home. You've got quite enough to feed here without you. If you get a chance like that, it's wicked not to take it, and I dare say you'd be able to have a girl to do the rough work. Philip had never before heard Mrs. Athelny refer so directly to the difficulties of her life. He saw how important it was that each child should be provided for. "'It's no good you're carrying on, mother,' said Sally in her quiet way. "'I'm not going to marry him.' "'I think you're a very hard-hearted, cruel, selfish girl. "'If you want me to earn my own living, mother, I can always go into service. "'Don't be so silly. You know your father would never let you do that.' Philip caught Sally's eye, and he thought there was in it a glimmer of amusement. He wondered what there had been in the conversation to touch her sense of humor. She was an odd girl. End of chapter 115